Good morning, church. Well, two things first. First off, your worship director, Megan, just told me that my tie does not match. So, so just know that I tried, but yeah, I guess I didn't get it right. Secondly, follow along with me um, because I'm probably going to be talking fast as we kind of hit this. So, um, I know you're used to that with Pastor Mike, but I think I'm going to try and beat him today too. So, let's go ahead and pray one more time. Dear God, we thank you for this opportunity, God, to look at your word. God, we pray that you would uh, just use us. God, that you would transform us, that you would reveal your truth to us as we look into your word today. God, that as we continue through this series, um, as we look at, in particular, the book of Jude, you would bring out truths to us that we could not only apply, but be on the lookout for. And so we ask that you would bless this time, God, that it would be your spirit leading, not mine. God, that your spirit would abound in this place and that we would become more like you at the end of this sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if you can, turn to the book of Jude. The book of Jude is actually a book written by Judas, which is just another name for Jude. This was Jesus's half-brother who actually was a doubter of Jesus and then later became a believer in Jesus. And he actually had a message for a church that I think is really applicable to the church we have here today, the church that we come to. And so one of the things as I was reading through it that just struck me and I was telling Pastor Mike in the last service this, is that last time I shared with you guys, I talked about the church and, and what we should do and what we should remember the church is for. And we focused on a passage in Hebrews. And it was actually really gut-checking. You know, it, it was something that really kind of required us to make some changes, possibly. And so when I was thinking about this one, I was like, man, I think I'm going to be mean again. And tell us what we got to hear, even though we might not want to hear it. So bear with me. But the book of Jude, actually, if I could sum it up, it was a, um, the, 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 the title of it, I actually thought of, okay, it's either going to be the fight, a fight for the truth or be on the lookout. The reason why is because Judas is actually trying to communicate that we need to fight for the truth and be on the lookout for those who are trying to distort the truth. And so if I could just sum up the book in just that statement alone, I would. Be on the lookout because there will be those who try to distort the truth, and you have to be careful that you don't get caught up in the mix of all that. And so as we look through the book of Jude, I'm only going to focus on two verses that pretty much sum up the whole chapter, and then we're going to find out some truths from that. So, on your outline, it says, be on the lookout. It reminds me of a story, um, if I'm thinking about truth and what to be on the lookout for, it reminds me of my story when I became a Christian. Now, when I became a Christian, I accepted Christ in my bedroom, reading a letter from my Uncle John, who was in prison. And he basically laid out the sinner's prayer for me. Now, prior to that, I went and I visited my Uncle John in prison, and I asked him, hey, man, are you religious or something? Because I noticed that the letters that you write me have Jesus on them, and I greet you in the name of Jesus, and may the Lord keep you and bless you. And so I asked him, and he presented the gospel to me. Now, it wasn't his words that convicted me or even moved me, but it was his life. 
It was as if I could see right through him. I saw a man who had been in prison since I was seven. I'm visiting him now at 17. And so for the last 10 years, he's been institutionalized in some way. And he's sitting there trying to tell me about Jesus. And so it became somewhat of an oxymoron to me until I started to look at him and I saw that it was real. It was real because it wasn't what he said, but the way he said it. It wasn't just the way he said it, but it was his whole entire being. I looked at him and I saw someone who is telling me that he made one of the biggest mistakes and he's so sorry for what he did. And, and I just, and, and I, I couldn't picture about like how he could be so content and happy and knowing that God was still in control and it moved me. And so when I got that letter in the mail, I accepted Jesus Christ from that letter, reading the sinner's prayer and praying it and mean it because God had revealed truth to me through the example someone had set. And likewise, after that, as some of you know, I got shipped on out here to the grand old Orange County. And um, Pastor Mike and his family took me in and they kind of... were those examples for me and shepherd me and and it was it was a real blessing and it was as if God was still trying to reveal truth to me through them he was saying hey this is what a real family looks like you've come from a broken home let me show you a blessed home you've come from people who have some very weird standards let me show you my standards through these people Let me show you what it really means to love God, to worship him. Let me show you what it really means to serve me and to live for me through these people in your life now. And so when I saw that, I was so moved, not by what they said to me, but how they lived it out. I was like, man, this is a family. They eat meals together. You know, they pray together. They have fun. And although, like my Uncle John and them, they weren't perfect but they were perfect for me. God had revealed perfection through his truth in the lives of them. And so when I looked at them, I said, man, this God is real and he is on the move. He reveals truth to us. And likewise, in the book of Jude, that is the ultimate goal from the writer, Jude, Judas, it's the same person, just going by different names. He, he reveals some truth to us that are, that are hard. For us to contain, not just by way of revelation. Hey, this is what you need to to understand because God will reveal certain falsehoods to you. But he will also call you to look for indicators, indicators of that which is false. For example, we're taking the kids through first and second Kings. And actually in first Kings, we got a chance to really focus on King Solomon who was one of the wisest men of all the earth. That's what he asked for, wisdom, and he got it, and even more so. And he got a chance to display his wisdom when, when two harlots came up to him fighting over a baby. What had happened was one of the women, they both had a baby. One had one this day, and another woman had a baby three days later. Well, the woman who had uh, uh, the baby on the first day, her baby died, so she stole the baby of the other ladies and took it in her sleep. And so when the lady woke up, she found a dead baby next to her and knew that the other one had had done this. And so they went to King Solomon, asked him to fix the problem, and he said, I got a good solution. Let's just cut the baby in half. 
And it was at that point that God didn't reveal anything to King Solomon, but asked him to pay attention to the indicators. And so when Solomon presented an option, let's cut the baby in half, he saw indicators from the one woman who said, you know what, it's okay. Let's just have this baby stay alive. I want her to have it. And actually, if we put ourselves in that situation, she was probably in tears. No, 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 don't kill the baby. I want you to have just as long as this baby's alive, it's fine. And that right there was an indicator of truth to Solomon. And it was at that point that he said, hey, it's your baby. Since you're the one who actually said, let her have it, and you actually displayed true love, and I can see truth from this indicator that you've shown me, you can have the baby. And so hopefully as we go through these, these few points in Jude, you actually get a chance to look for indicators on what to look out for. So in short, be on the lookout for what? One thing, false teachers. Now what are false teachers? False teachers are those who teach falsely. Not just Pastor Mike. He always teaches falsely. No, I'm kidding. But we're, um, it's uh, actually those in the church, too. See, this letter was written to those in the church. And Judas, he actually wanted to say, hey, you got to be careful because there's people in the church who teach, th- who teach things wrong. Just like someone who lies is a liar, someone who steals is a thief, Those who teach things that are wrong are false teachers. And so what do we as people need to be on the the lookout for? False teachers. Now, let me just say this real quick before we jump into these points. We could be the false teachers. What do I mean by that? Have you ever been taught something wrong? I have, and I don't like it. I like to learn something. I like to learn it the right way. And there are times in our lives, actually, I would say more times than not, that are teachable times. Every moment almost is a teachable moment. What you say and what you don't say is a possible teaching moment. What you do and don't do is an example setter, so that's a teaching moment. So, If you have friends, be careful what you say or do around them because those are teaching moments. If you have a husband or a wife, be careful what you say around them because those are teaching moments. If you have kids, the level of responsibility goes up. They're always watching. They're always looking. They're always listening. Be careful what you say and what you do. So are you teaching truth? Or are you being taught truth? This is something to look out for. So, how do we look out for that? Judas says it one way, and it's in our first point. He says, be on the lookout for actors, for those who are actors in the church. So, if we actually look at the verses in your outline, it says this. This is Judas, and he's basically going into what we like to call some very bold preaching to the church. And he, he just cuts to the chase real quick. And he said, There are those, for certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for the, this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Circle in that outline, crept in unnoticed. Crept in unnoticed. 
The reason why I want to focus on this is because Judas, he starts this this letter off by basically with his introduction, and then he says, look, I want you to fight for the faith. I want you to contend earnestly for the faith, he says in verse 3. He said, because certain men have crept in unnoticed. These are ungodly men. And so what I'd like to present to you is that if certain people can creep into the church unnoticed, what does that really mean? That means there's actors in the church. There's people who look like they're Christians, but they're really not Christians. People who look like believers, they look religious, but they're not. They're fakes. Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets, false teachers, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They're cheap imitations of the real thing. That's why Jesus, when he noticed this, he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Even Jesus knew, man, there's going to be some people in my church, and they look good, but their hearts are far from me. Their hearts are way far from me. They're actors. And in Matthew 7, 16, the following verse of 7, 15, he says, and you'll know them by their fruits. Remember, just like I said in the beginning with King Solomon, you'll know them by their fruits. They're indicators. There are indicators to let us know who a false teacher is. And so, what are those indicators? Well, the first one in our second point is this. For those who are perplexed, perverted, and prideful. Be on the lookout for those who are perplexed, perverted, and prideful. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, we're focusing on just this verse in Jude 8 real quick, and it says, Likewise, also these dreamers, these confused people, they defile the flesh, they're perverted, they reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. They're prideful. That's what these people do. So the first one, perplexed. Those who are spiritually confused and blinded. That's what A is. That's what it means to be perplexed. Confused or blinded. 2 Corinthians 4.4 puts it this way. It says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. What does this mean? This means... For example, the other night, the other night I, talk, I was talking with one of my um, junior high students about drinking alcohol, and he said this, I don't plan to get drunk until I'm in college. <laughs> and I was like, well, good plan. <laughs> I was like, okay, drunk in college. So what does God say about drinking? Don't get drunk. But you plan to get drunk in college? He's like, Yes. And I was like, okay. So somewhere along the line, he had been confused. He had been blinded. A false teacher, perhaps. Someone in the church. One of his friends probably said something, did something. Could even have been the parents. That gave him the idea that as long as I'm of legal age, I can get drunk. Now we know that Christ does not teach that. But he had been blinded. I remember one of my parents told me, hey, when you grow up, 
date whoever you want, have sex with whoever you want, so you can find the right one and have a happy marriage. I said, that sounds like a great plan. (laughs) I wasn't even a Christian. I knew that was wrong. (laughs) When my mom told me that, I was like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. Don't think that's a good idea at all. But the truth is, my parents, they probably were confused and blinded. Actually, they were. To give me advice like that, somewhere along the line, they thought it was okay to do that. I remember one of, my, uh, one of my friends told me as I confronted them on a sin in their life, I said, hey man, this is something I see, I, I don't want you to struggle with this. I mean, we're supposed to be Christians, we need to strive for excellence. Yeah, we all mess up, but we got to keep living it. He said, hey, everyone struggles. Everyone struggles, you got your problems, I got mine. It was the way I was raised, that's just the way I am. I think he was blinded and confused because just because who you are now does not give you the excuse that that's who you always have to be. If you were raised a certain way, that's fine, but it doesn't mean you need to stay there. If Christ has called us to grow, then we need to be changing and transforming. transforming. He hasn't called us to regress, but progress. He's, he's called us to move forward, not backwards. To climb up, not slip down. And so if we're to be the Christians, the Christ followers, the warriors of God that God has called us to be, that we need to be people who are looking out for those who are blinded and possibly teaching us the wrong things. And that's exactly the same message that Judas was trying to illustrate to the church, saying, man, there are people in the church that they've got some weird views about what the church ought to look like, what Christians ought to be, and you can't listen to them. You have to keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Look out for those who are spiritually confused and blinded. B, look out for those who are having a moral lifestyle. So if we look at Jude 8, it says, Likewise, these dreamers defile the flesh. They have an immoral lifestyle. In Titus 1.15 through 16, it says, To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in the works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. They profess to know them, but their actions show otherwise. And what they were doing, because of this immoral lifestyle, what they were basically doing is they were using Christ's forgiveness and his liberty as excuses to sin. Which before them, Paul had already said, shall we continue in sin so that may grace may abound? Certainly not. And so they didn't get it. And here's Judas is. He's trying to say, hey, you know, you got to be careful. Be on the lookout for those who have an immoral lifestyle. And let me tell you, church, in today's day and age, it's everywhere to live immoral, to just use Christ's forgiveness as, as an excuse to sin and live in a way that we think is good for ourselves. 2 Peter 3.3 says, Knowing first this, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts. What does that mean? That means I'm walking in the way that I feel is right, the way that I think is right, not what God thinks is right or what God knows is right. I'm doing things my way. 
If it feels good, I'm doing it. Christ will forgive me. That's the attitude that these people were having. And that's the attitude that a lot of people in the church have today that you got to be on the lookout for. It's okay. God will forgive you. You know, the average age of first internet exposure to pornography is 11 years old. 15 to 17 year olds having multiple hardcore exposures is at 80%. The pornography industry is larger than the revenues of Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, Netflix, and Earthlink all combined. Why? Because the church is, is not exempt from being infected by false teachers. It's okay. Everyone struggles. It's fine. Jesus will forgive you. That's why he died. That's the same excuse that Judas was trying to say, hey, these are the people you have to watch out for. He made a point that these specific teachers easily make excuses and reasons to compromise themselves in the area of sexual purity. Also, be on the lookout for C, those who reject authority. For those who reject authority. So 2 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of the temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. These people were rejecting Jesus ultimately, church pastors, leaders, and government, the whole nine. That's what Judas was trying to confront. So when your own desires and personal tastes cause you to disrespect, discredit, and disapprove the authority over you, then you might just be a false teacher or a victim of one. When your desires and your personal tastes cause you to disrespect, discredit, and disprove authority, you have possibly been infected by a false teacher or could perhaps even be one. Because remember, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, man, we can be so blinded that we have become the blind who lead the blind. Yeah, but the pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, but the pastor and that church believe this, and that's wrong. You know, there's a, I ha, there's a leader in the youth group, and he's a sheriff, which is good to have in case I have to ever mess around with the kids. I have a cop on my side. So, but we have a, a sheriff as a leader in our, our youth group, and um, I always, I was messing around with him yesterday. I said, man, I hate cops. They always seem to catch me when I'm speeding or when I'm honking at somebody who cut me off or when I'm texting. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> But they, never, they don't never catch the guy who ran the red light or the guy who's going 90 on the freeway. Why is that? And then someone put it to me this way. They said, so then you basically like the absence of authority in cops. And I was like, darn it, that sounds good. I'm sorry. That's true, because if there was no cops, this place would be a mess. 
And so how much more when the authority of God, his laws and his shepherds and the people that he institutes in his churches and those people that he allows to become authority figures in our life today, how much more should we respect and and approve of and to hold high the authority of God? How much more so? These people that Judas was warning us about, he said, hey man, these people, they have no respect for authority. Watch out for those who reject authority. And so, who do you know that rejects authority? They've always got something bad to say about those in authority. It could be the president, it could be Pastor Mike, because he's got a lot of issues. (laughs) It could be myself, it could be anybody. Do they reject authority? Thirdly, Be on the lookout for those who tell you what you want to hear. Or, in other words, those who tell you only what you want to hear. Judas, he ends it in verse 16. He says, these are grumblers. These people that I want you to watch out for, these are the grumblers, the complainers, walking according to their own lust. And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So he's basically saying, hey, be on the lookout. There's people, they only go to church because they hear what they want to hear. Oh, that pastor, he doesn't talk about sin. I'm going there. Or, oh, that pastor over there, he, man, he always tells me how good I'm doing. I'm going there. And Judas was trying to illustrate, hey, you can't just listen to what you want to hear. You can't heap up leaders because you want them to say what you want them to say. God's word cuts to the heart. God's word changes. You're supposed to come in here and feel different. You're supposed to come in here and grow and get better. That means you don't like where you're at. You like where Christ has taken you. Verse in Proverbs says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, for the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So how are you surrounding yourself with your friends? Do your friends look like people who always tell you good things or can actually honestly speak into your life and say, Hey, This is something that doesn't look too good. Or when you're ranting and raving about something like me, the police, I can have Pastor Mike or somebody say, Brandon, shut up. Stop breaking the law. Real friends tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. The pastor's job isn't for you to come here and feel good and leave feeling like you've just been defended by the way that you live from the pastor, it shouldn't be just that. It should be, man, that pastor or that teacher or my group leader or them, they spoke into my life and that was, that was real. God wants me to change that. And then lastly, Judas wanted to illustrate, be careful Look out for those who ultimately are causing division. It says, These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the Spirit. 
Romans 16, 17 says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. These are those people who undermine the pastors, undermine the leaders, take people's attention off God and onto whatever else. They dislike the church because of this reason or that reason. Man, the church doesn't play my style of music. That church is not a good church. Pastor Mike's always talking about this, and he never says anything on that. I don't like his view on the end times. Or, man, he hired that guy, Brandon. What was he thinking? (laughs) I'm not coming back. (laughs) Honestly, I, I would say, though, that, man, some of the things that come out of people's mouths are incredible. I would actually just say, hey, if you don't like it, find another church. Because it's not your church, it's not my church, it's not Pastor Mike's church, it's not the elders' church, it's God's church. It reminds me of a story of a man who went up to a pastor and said, man, what church can I go to? I'm looking for the perfect church, and tell me, what church is it that I should go to in this area? And he said, don't go to any of them. You won't be able to find it. Well, what do you mean? You'll mess it up. (laughs) If you go, you'll mess it up. And that's the truth. The reason why Pastor Mike is the the pastor of this church is because God's chose him, not you. The reason why, as many people hate to admit it, that Obama is the president is because God allowed it. So, hey, there it is. Pray for him. Do what Christians ought to do. Don't come to church and cause division because you see something that you don't like. Remember, Judas was saying, hey man, these are for the complainers, the grumblers. These are the people you got to look out for. So how many times have we been caught in that? Have you been caught in the midst of someone possibly teaching you something false? Have you been that person? It's something to ask yourself because... Jesus said, hey man, in the last days, watch out for them. They'll be everywhere. And they will look, they will look good, but inside, they're messed up. They're actors in the church. Look out for those who are perplexed, perverted, and prideful, meaning those who are blinded, immoral, and reject authority. Look out for those who only tell you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear. For those who are causing division in the church, be on the lookout for them. So what? Be on the lookout and fight the good fight. Like I said, in in Jude verse 3, he starts it off with saying, hey, the reason why I'm even writing this letter is to tell you to fight the good fight. He says in verse 3, I want you to contend earnestly for the faith that which was once for all delivered to the saints. Contend for the faith. Fight for it. Fight for the truth. And then he ends with saying, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but on others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. That's what I want you to do. And there's going to be some people 
You just got to be distinguished about it. You have to distinguish who they really are. Are they actors? Are they real? Are they struggling? Are they kind of, you know, solid Christians? Who am I listening to? Who am I in being influenced by? And who am I influencing? Be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. Let's pray. Dear God, we pray that we can be on the lookout. God, it's to think that the book of Jude can be summed up in two sections of verses with, with information on what to be, a look, be on the lookout for. God, we ask that you would help us to be like King Solomon and wise. Looking out for those who are possibly teaching us falsehoods. And to look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, to focus intently upon you, God, he who is all truth. God, we ask that you would allow us to leave here changed, transformed, and renewed by your spirit. We ask that you would help us to contend earnestly for the faith. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.